Caster Troy could eat a peach all day, and we could watch this movie all day. We watched Face Off. What do you say we cut the chit chat a hole? I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! Interesting choice of words. What is that? What is that? What is that? Oh, no, not the bee! Not the bee! Oh, oh my God. I'm a pixie bear! <laughs> okay, let's run. This is The Unbearable Fate of Massive Talent. I'm Brittany Green. And I'm Liz Kurtzman. <laughs> and this week we watched Face Off. <laughs> From, wait, 1997? Is that the year? Yeah, that sounds right. That's the year of Nicolas Cage. That is the year of Nicolas Cage. This came out back to back to back with The Rock was in 96. That was the first one that came out, actually. Yeah. But it was The Rock, Con Air, and then capped it off with Face Off. Yep. What a run. What a run. This is like the golden trilogy of Nicolas Cage action movies. Yeah. This is my favorite. Your favorite. Of the three. Of the three. Um, ooh, that's tough because I love Con Air. Con Air is really Con Air good. might be my favorite. Okay. And that's partially nostalgia because that was one I was super familiar with. And as we said, I haven't seen this movie since, like, I was a kid and it was on TV. So it was almost a totally new experience for me. I'm so happy for you. It was incredible. What a wild ride it was. Yeah. Um, we have a special cocktail that we made for this one because it's one of the big Nicolas Cage joints. Um, and so it's called the face eraser. Where did you find that cocktail? I Googled cocktail face. Cocktail face. (laughs) (laughs) And I found there's like the angel face, which sounded good, but was like a lot of obscure fancy ingredients. Uh, there was another one, um, I think it was like, there was another one that was like sit on my face or something. And I said, which sounded okay. Um, but this one was very simple and weird. And so I said, sure. And it's like mostly Sprite and coffee liqueur and vodka. Yeah. The link you sent me was from goodcocktails.com. <laughs> yeah, I'll put the, uh, I'll put the link in the, uh, in the notes. If you I'm like no mixologist, it. but we are going to post, uh, the recipe on our, our social media. We're needs. pairing cocktails. We're not inventing cocktails. No, 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 no. Not, not here in this house. Uh, so I had, I had plenty of face erasers while watching this film. So I'm still riding high. I think it was a good pairing because I feel like the, I don't know if there's caffeine in a coffee liqueur, but I kind of have to assume so. And I feel like this is a movie that calls for you to be absolutely caffeinated and alcoholinated. And it was weird. As as we said, I couldn't decide whether I liked it or not. And then I drank like three of them. So. It's, it is a weird cocktail. And is a weird fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> so perfect pairing. Um, Where do you begin with a movie I like don't know. this? Um, I guess that this movie begins with the murder of a child. Well, there's a couple. Yeah, sure does really first 30 seconds um but there's a couple of things up top this is a john woo film yes and uh that was so i the first time i saw this movie yeah man this is a movie i wish i could watch again for the first time drink enough face erasers it will be all new to you (laughs) um so what really took me aback about what really took me aback a back the first time that we that I watched this movie Jesus the first time I watched this movie a long time ago is I was expecting it to be a stupid action movie and it is but it's also so beautifully shot like it's very John Woo and it's so well made yeah as a movie 
that it just is a little bit surprising. Yes. You can, I think you can compare it because we are in this three uh, action movie trilogy that we've already talked about to both Con Air and The Rock have similar like high concept weird premises um, for these action films. But those are shot more straightforward. Yeah. Just like... Uh, you know, utilitarian, like straight on shots. Um, there's not a lot of like artistry. They are shot like, like a diehard or something. Yeah, you know. Whereas this is John Woo, and he is doing a lot of like artsy stuff and yeah. interesting cinematography. There's gonna be doves. There's gonna be doves. <laughs> there's a whole scene at the end. We'll get to it, but like, there's doves. There's, there's gonna seagulls, be like close-ups that are like sort of in slow motion of like oh, expressions. A lot of slow motion yeah. in this. A lot of a lot of double guns. The slow motion is all like so now I feel like we're really used to slow motion happening to highlight action. Yes. This is to highlight emotion. You're Right. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's interesting because I think that like in with 300 and Sherlock, we mm-hmm. started to get those um, action slow motion that now we're really used to. Even I guess the Matrix is the one that really started yeah. it. Um, but the, this is not that. It's not like in the middle of the fight, they get like slow motion and we see like the bullet or whatever. There is a little bit of that. There's but a not, little bit of that, but it's more like when they're turning around. It's the on the face. Yes. Yeah. It's more of the, like, look at their coat flare out as they turn around. Look at, like, the pathos on their face as they raise their guns. That's what John Woo wants to get. Um, There's also, like, one that, like, I started laughing when it happened. When when he comes home from the hospital after having his face switched back, (laughs) John Travolta... And um, Joan Allen is, like, watching out the door. And That's she the sees best him one. coming. And then he, like, slow motion comes through the doorway. He comes around the corner in slow motion. And it's so funny. Because he's just, like, smiling. Yeah. That's it. It's nothing <laughs> dramatic. Slow smiling. That, we both giggled out loud when we <laughs> saw that scene. Um, it was so high drama. Um, what I think is interesting. So, I have some... If you there's so much trivia about this movie that I couldn't possibly get to at all. But there's a couple things that I wanted to point to. One of them is this was supposed to be set in the future. And John Woo, which would explain why they have face-off technology. Right. Um, but John Woo was like, I want to set it now so we can focus on the, like, we can make it more realistic and grounded and psychological instead of focusing on, like, future technology and world building. I do feel like they spend a lot of time on, like, the emotional impact on the people of having yes. him, like, switch faces with his worst enemy. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's what John Woo was interested in. Yeah. He wasn't interested in the, like... This could have been a very different It could have been very different. Um, But one of the interesting things is, obviously, we didn't have face-switching technology in 1997. Have you... Do you know... I don't know if this was in the trivia you were looking up, but I remember this from probably a different podcast that I listened to about this, but in the director commentary with John Woo and a couple of the writers, John Woo was talking about how he felt like this technology was, like, a couple of years away. Oh, John. Uh, not quite. Okay. Um, the first facial, re- uh, not facial reconstruction, but actual face transplant was in 2012. Um, it was for a man called Richard Norris, who actually, um, he was shot in the face with a shotgun the same year this movie came out. 
Oh, crazy. Yeah, so he had to wait, so what, in 14, a way, 15 John years? John Woo was right, <laughs> is what you're telling me? Yeah, he's just 15 years off. Um, but I did see something the other day about another facial transplant. Okay. Um, so that is now, we don't have face switching technology. <laughs> That's still in the future, but we do have face transplants now. Um, also, Chow Yun-Fat was supposed to be in this movie. Can mm. you guess what part he was supposed to play? Oh, man. Uh, was it one of the henchmen? No. Was it one of the main characters? No. I have no idea. Margaret Cho's part. I guess Chow Yun-Fat wasn't doing a lot of American movies yet, um, so maybe... He would have had a small part, but it feels like he should have been in a bit bigger part than that. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of character Yeah, because I feel like nobody knew who Margaret Cho was probably when this movie came she out. She was, like, a huge deal in, like, queer scenes and in stand-up comedy. But in 97, she wasn't doing a lot of acting, I don't think. Um, I feel like there's another movie that she's in that is, like, a weird... She did a lot of weird movies. Yeah, she's like a weird like side thing like this one. Yeah, I think that's where she excels. Yeah. So, but it's like a really sort of straightforward bit part that does it's sort of like, why would you put Margaret Cho in that? But I don't remember. It's not a funny part. No, she doesn't it's get just, to do anything she's, she's funny. She's just another agent in, yeah. the, uh, in the bureau. This was one of those movies that's filled with people that you and I kept going, oh my god, that's the guy from The Thing. Yeah. We, we kept looking people Mike up. Mike from Desperate Housewives is in this Thomas movie. Thomas Jane is in this movie. Unrecognizable. Looks like a surfer guy. Tommy Flanagan from many things. I knew him from Sons of Anarchy. C.C. Pounder. C.C.H. Yeah, Pounder. Uh, I forget his name, but the guy that played uh, Reginald Hargreaves on the Umbrella Academy and many other parts, he was in it as the face-switching doctor. The guy who plays Bunny Coleman in The Wire. Yeah. But it's, it's crazy. Uh, there's so many people. And then obviously we've got our big two, Joan Allen, um, Gina Gershon. And then the guy that played Gina Gershon's brother, who I care about his name right now. Um, I feel like I only know him from this. Is I only know this from things? this, but like, let me tell you, the trivia is filled with facts about him. Nick Cassavetes. Okay. I don't know. I From reading the trivia before we started the movie, I thought he was going to be a much bigger part of this film. Hmm. But he's not a very big part of this film. No. So, It's just know. like the weird incestuous brother of Castor Troy's Sure is. Sure is. There's a weird incest part about that. Um, Nicolas Cage considers this one of his best movies. I course. agree. It's yeah, great. I think everyone agrees. Um, but he originally turned it down. I knew that. Yeah. Because he didn't want to play more bad guys. He didn't want to be a bad guy. And they said, well, you'll actually be playing the Let good guy. Let us tell you. For most, of, most of the movie, you're the good guy. Yeah. yeah. Which is true. Um, so this is, okay, here's another interesting thing. Um, there were a lot of other pairs of actors considered for this. So one this is of the, my favorite piece of trivia. <laughs> originally, they were talking about Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Could totally see that. Which is great. It would because, be a way different movie with them. And it also would be capitalizing on their sort of rivalry. Yes. So that makes it. Which a lot of these pairs, you can see that. Yeah. Um, yeah. John Travolta and Nicolas Cage, not famous for their rivalry other than this movie. Right. <laughs> um, this one, I think, was the one that was the most came the closest was to actually being done was Michael Douglas and Harrison Ford, which is an interesting pairing. That is an interesting pairing. And I think it would have been more like, um, 
the fugitive sort right. of feel, you know? Yeah, definitely. But Michael Douglas did end up being one of the producers on this film. Yeah. He didn't get to star in it. Some of the other groups that are uh, doubles, um, Jeff Bridges and Nick Nolte make sense to me. They oh, actually they look, look very look similar. Alike. Yeah. Um, that's maybe the only pairing of, I guess, Michael Douglas and Harrison Ford are similarly built. Yeah, they're both, I, I, I can Harrison see Ford's that. taller, but I feel like Nick Nolte and Jeff Bridges are the one, those two feel like they, they wouldn't be able to do look that. Alike. Uh, there is the line in the movie of like, you're both similar heights and that's why we can do this. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to do that with Mike Which, Douglas and, uh. The John Travolta and Nicolas Cage are two inches apart. Okay. Which is, hmm. Close Not enough. super close. Do you think you'd notice if your uh, husband came? I think you'd feel like two inches different. Something's months. weird, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> okay, so you during the movie, yeah, asked if there was going to be a joke about somebody noticing that their penises aren't different and, or different. Yeah, or are different. Yeah. yeah. And for sure, Joan Allen is banging Caster Troy. Yeah. And I think she likes it better. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're right. I think you're right. I truly thought someone, I thought like like Sasha or something was going to be like, what is happening? Like somebody was like, surely their penises aren't the same size or I don't know. Just magically. One of them's circumcised, one of them's not. (laughs) Like something where, but No. Surprisingly, it didn't come up. John Woo's too good for that. Yeah. Wait, there's a couple other pairings. One of them is Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. Okay. Which makes sense for the rivalry, but not for their body builds. I mean, John Travolta and Nicolas Cage don't have similar builds. No, they don't. Um, And then Mel Gibson and Bruce Willis... Which okay. I kind of would love to see. I think that would have been interesting in the 90s when they were both sort of at their peak. Yeah. And then this one's wild. This one's super wild. Steven Seagal and Jean-Claude Van Damme. Wow. <laughs> they are nothing alike physically. <laughs> Can you imagine? That would be a very different movie. Can you imagine what that film would have been like? That would have been a C-level film. Weirdly, I think we got the version where the two actors have the best acting chops. Yeah. I mean, maybe not the best acting chops out of all those people. Michael Douglas and Harrison Ford probably would have been. That probably would have, yeah. The, the best as far as acting. And then maybe Jeff Bridges and Nick Nolte? Yeah. Those two are Fair very enough. good. I don't... <sighs> While I think it would be fun, I do, I like John Woo's version of doing it with the more uh, psychological yes. piece. And you wouldn't get the psychological piece it would if you not, had. It um, wouldn't be a film we were really still I mean, about. I don't know what I'm talking about because Al Pacino and Robert De Niro were <laughs> incredible. But um, We named a bunch of incredible actors and they were, they were like, but none of them as good none as Nick Cage as good as John Travolta. <laughs> um... No, I, I take it back immediately, but... Uh, I don't think it would have been as memorable. No. Because they brought an insanity to it. Yes. That the other, maybe better actors would have been a little bit more realistic, and then it wouldn't have been as memorable. Yeah, and I think that, like, some of, like, the super action guys yeah. wouldn't... They're not silly. No. You know? They're not silly enough. They're not willing to be, like, Like, they're in some silly movies, unhinged. but they're yeah. not themselves usually doing things that are interest that are by themselves as interesting to watch yeah. in the same way that John Travolta and Nicolas Cage are interesting to watch. Yeah. But I think they would, it would have been a more action-y action movie with those people. Yeah. 
I have a question for you. That's, which isn't to say this wasn't an action-y action movie. Oh, There's it's plenty of action. Action-y. Yeah. All right. Um, so if we were casting someone who had a similar build to Nick Cage, if we were going that way, because I love this film, John Travolta and Nick Cage are not built the same. Um, who would you choose from the 90s? Well, they even have that line where they're like, we'll take those love handles off. <laughs> like, you calling rude. John Travolta fat? Kind of. Um, they also make fun of John Travolta's chin. Yeah. I feel like it's funny when they switch them back and like, and then we just add those love handles oh, back on. Add them back on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll just give them a bunch of ice cream before we send them out. Um, uh, man, that's a tough question. Um, similar build. Because hmm. he's like kind of, he's like a little like ganglier. Yeah. Um, he's a, he's a, th- a sort of tall, lean man. Yeah. Um, Do you have a... Do you have somebody in the chamber? I have a couple that I thought about from the 90s. I mean, One of them Willem was... Dafoe. We could always do Willem I Dafoe. was just going to say Willem Dafoe! I think Willem Dafoe would have been incredible. And then this is sort of cheating because they just did um, Con Air together. But John Malkovich? That would be great. He's built similarly. I don't know about height, but sort of the same sort of mean build. Um, or, this was another one that was rumored at the time, Johnny Depp. Oh. I think he might be too short. I don't know what height he I is. I don't know what height he is either. But I think that he could do the unhinged thing. Probably. And he's sort of also thin, so. Another one I thought of. I like John Travolta better than David Johnny Bowie. Depp for this movie. <laughs> David Bowie That's would be, my wild card one. <laughs> Your wild card is David Bowie. David Bowie. <laughs> I was like, who's tall and thin? Well, if you've seen... Um, if you've seen Firewalk with me, you do get to see David Bowie playing an FBI agent. <gasps> there we go. So, so close. Yeah. <laughs> we got so close to it. Yeah, that's about the... It's pretty close to the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So. he's. I feel like he would have been... He'd already started some stuff at that point. Yeah. And I think he could have done it. Hmm. Um... Yeah, so those are some of my facts about this film. Um... But as you said, this movie starts with child murder. It does. <laughs> Right off the bat. Right off the bat. That's Black and white, starts. slow motion, child murder. Yeah. We're in like sepia tones. Yeah. Uh, we're on a carousel. John Travolta is on a carousel with his six-year-old son mm-hmm. and having the time of their lives. They've never been happier. They're touching each other's faces. Um, and we also see Castor Troy. We see the first of many face waterfalls. We tried to count how many face waterfalls, and we also did a drinking game where we were taking <laughs> a drink. Every- so, to explain what a face waterfall is, in case you haven't listened to the face-off episode of How Did This Get Made, which we both have. Yeah. That's where they coined that term. But there's no other word for what they're doing. Yeah. It's Just like, a, like brushing caress? their face, br- brushing their hand all the way down the front of somebody's face, like over Finger all of the tips. features. From your forehead to your chin. What a weird thing. It's like a thing that the Sean Archer's family does. It happens about 15 times, At probably. least 15 times in this film. It's bananas. We, we did try to count. I got up to about 10 and then kind of started to lose count a little bit. Well, there's bit. some partial ones. There were some partial ones. That were confusing, and so we didn't know whether to count those. And then also we had a lot of face erasers. <laughs> <laughs> face waterfall erasers. Um... Yeah, and we see Caster Troy, played by Nicolas Cage, is setting up a sniper rifle to take out Sean Archer, played oh, by John Travolta. Oh, with a mustache that, thank God, he didn't have for the rest of the movie. <laughs> this is not going to surprise you at all. 
the mustache was Nicolas Cage's idea. <laughs> he came uh, with the mustache and like, said, all right, this is going to be his past disguise. Yeah, this is to show you that time has passed. He had a mustache then, not anymore. This is, okay, so I will say, I don't know that, like, um, so Caster goes to shoot Sean Archer, which he does, but it goes through him and kills his son. And that's very sad and shocking. Um, and Caster Troy genuinely looks sort of, like, surprised and taken aback when that happens. Yeah. Not necessarily remorseful, but like, oops, I didn't mean to do that. And I, to myself, said, you're shooting at him when he's on a carousel filled with people. This is a full-ass carousel filled with children. And he's like, I got an innocent bystander. Here's the thing about <laughs> Caster Troy. Confident man. Confident man. You can say anything about him. Confidence. Not, no second thoughts either. No. No. He just does things. which it, So it's not out of character, but just him being surprised. I was like, what did you think was going to happen when you shot this man who was hugging his five-year-old son at the time? Uh, so we get why Sean Archer and Caster Troy hate each other. Yeah. Couple things about their names. Wild ass names. <laughs> yes. Sean Archer, Caster Troy. Here's a question I have about that first scene. Yeah. So, we know that Caster Troy is a terrorist for hire. Sure. Who do you think... I want the backstory of why he was trying to kill Sean Archer. That's a good... They don't really explain it. I was assuming that Sean Archer was, at the time, working on some sort of case with Caster Troy or with someone else, and they hired Caster Troy to kill him, and that's why he became, like, his nemesis. Right. So, maybe at the time, that wasn't... He didn't care that much about him yet. Right? Yeah. Um, but they don't give us any explanation for, like, what, why he was trying to assassinate him. I'm just saying that could be the prequel. It's a prequel. They should just put, they should do the film now with the two of them as a prequel, but not explain why they are <laughs> 30 years older. <laughs> they, that, this is one of those movies, too, where they do keep on, like, saying, like, what if there was a sequel to Face Off? Oh, God. When I looked like, at the maybe. trivia... I kept saying, like, there's supposed to be, uh, there's a rumored sequel. Okay, now there's going to be a sequel. And I'm like, girl. No. There's no sequel. There's no sequel. <laughs> um, so one of the interesting things is that Sean Archer's name refers probably to Sagittarius the Archer, one of the constellations. Um, and it is diametrically opposed, meaning it's halfway around the year from the constellation Gemini. And Gemini contains Castor and Pollux stars which is the name of Castor and his brother in this film. So I did enter this movie going, what are these names? And then I was like, all right. <laughs> all right, I'll allow it. Uh, there's also some Greek mythology where Castor and Pollux were laid as twin sons by two different fathers. Um, and so, like, Castor's the son of the king of Sparta. Pollux is the son of Zeus. Um, they fought in the Trojan War. Um, and... Uh, Pollux was immortal. Castor was mortal. Um, and they were allowed to, like, basically be together, like, share their immortality because they were so close. Um, which is interesting because we sort of identified in this film that the only person that Castor seems to really care about is his brother. Yeah. Um, there's other people in his life that maybe he should be caring about and he does not. Um, so, I don't know. I thought that was interesting. It was a little deeper than I expected. From this movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, the writers of this movie won a Saturn Award for the screenwriting. As they should. Yeah. This was a bananas film. Yeah. Um, I remember another piece of trivia 
from the writer commentary. <laughs> so you know how they have like the microchip that changes their voices? Yeah. They in the commentary the writers were like, Yeah, that was definitely like a placeholder and we never thought of anything better. <laughs> You're like, just I don't like know, microchip. It's a microchip? And they never went back. Yeah. And we didn't need them to. No, it was fine. We said, all right. That's not how microchips work, <laughs> but whatever. Not at all. And I honestly, I accepted the voice changing thing before I accepted the face off transplant. So that's not even on my top. That wasn't even a thing I was worried about. We can do voice changes on TikTok now. So, you know. Yeah. I believe that. There's lots of movies that have voice changing technology. Um, So over the course of this two hour, 20 minute movies, uh, it... They only meet four times on screen. That makes sense. They're in every scene. Like, one of them is in every scene, at least. But they only meet four times, which is interesting. So it's, um, is the first time is probably with the planes, right? I think so. Because they definitely, like, they have, like, sort of the standoff when they're in the uh, airplane hangar. Yeah, so they have their big fight there. And then the prison is Well, the I don't know if they're counting. Or are they counting the lab? Maybe the lab? Because at least Sean, they don't talk is to there. each they other. They don't talk to each other, but like Nicholas Cage is laying in the bed while right. John Travolta is talking. So maybe that's two. Then there's the prison. So maybe they don't count that one because there's the prison, and then there's the shootout in the safe house, and then there's the ending, which is four. So five yeah. if you count the actual face-off part. Yeah. But if you're talking about them talking to each other, then that's not part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they spend two weeks together before filming to learn how to play each other and they decided on specific gestures and vocal cadences for each character so they could mimic it I, do you think I, that worked i really do okay i feel like john travolta specifically i think in a lot of ways kind of yeah. nailed the way that nicholas cage played caster troy yes um, i think it was definitely easier to mimic nicholas cage's character than sean archer's character which I is agree. more of just like the straight normal person. Right. Whereas Caster Troy was like flamboyant and crazy and loud and Yeah. So that one was easier to it was definitely easy to see the switches between. Yeah. Um so yeah, I think no, that was pretty good. On this watch of the movie, I found myself really appreciating John Travolta throughout this movie. Yeah. Honestly. Um, great job. And I feel like he doesn't get a lot of, like I I was telling you I know that I've seen um, like lists and stuff talking about how they felt like this movie was miscast and that mm. the two roles should have been switched before. Um, but on this watch, I really feel like John Travolta sold Crazy Caster Troy. Yeah, and I think you needed that the first part of the film with Nicolas Cage as Caster Troy, and he is being oh my god, he's so camp. Yes. He's, oh my god. When he's the priest, the him being the priest is. The most iconic Nicholas Cage performance. Holy shit! <laughs> when he comes that, in like, and does three like the minute? headbanging thing when the Hallelujah chorus is playing, and then he grabs it's the girl's butt. Crazy, and he's making the wildest faces. Yeah. I was like, you need that. So then, when John Travolta switches to being him, you're like, yeah, that's the guy. That's that guy. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. No, I I agree. I think that like starting out with maybe the bit the more high key actor playing that part. Then have like because you need them to sense. set the scene. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're like because I expect that from Nicolas Cage. I yes. don't expect it as much from John Travolta. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I agree. The yeah for me and I did also like um, on the opposite side. 
I liked watching Nicolas Cage do things like do drugs for the first time. Yeah. You know? That was good. <laughs> we gotta take his face off. <laughs> Which is a part that I think a lot of people reference a lot. Yeah. And... It's the first time he's doing drugs, and I feel like that makes a lot of sense it if you frame sense. it that way. Yeah. Of, this Especially, is the first time he's ever done whatever this drug is that he just yeah. put, had in his drink. And if you know that this character has gone into the scene being like, okay, I'm going to be with all these criminals, somehow I have to convince them that we need to get his face, and I've got to figure out how to work that in. And then he does drugs, and so it comes out as just being <laughs> like, we're going to take his face off. <laughs> that makes sense when you, I, I assume yeah. when you're on whatever drugs they were doing, whatever those blue pills were yeah. that they were taking. Um, it's just Viagra. <laughs> it's just a ginseng tablet. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah so I, I bought it. I thought they, uh, for me, the miscasting is just that they, it's so funny that everyone's pretending that like, they switch their faces and you just assume that's the different person because their builds are so different. Yeah. But acting wise, I love it. Yeah. I think they're a great match. Um, here's, okay. Yeah, this is definitely a sci-fi movie where you just kind of like, and then we do the science thing and it all, it makes sense. Yeah, Trust yeah, yeah, us. Yeah, 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 whatever. Um, okay, so I have a piece of trivia. Okay. That I've been very excited to tell you. Okay. <laughs> In the original script... John Woo intended for Caster Troy and Sean Archer's characters to be romantically involved. I believe that. With Sean's unwillingness to let their love be known, acting as the catalyst for Caster's betrayal and the subsequent murder of Sean's son. But the producers were worried that American (laughs) audiences would find the characters less sympathetic. Okay, so when you first said that, it made me think, this is such a will they, won't they? Every yes. time that they're together on screen, tension, like, tension, yeah, hundred percent, which could easily tip over it into sexual. That, like they, it was sexual tension before the murder. Of the well, song. I'm wondering if it's supposed to be more like a, if maybe Castro Troy wasn't a criminal before in the first like draft, or like I'm wondering how they were a couple before. Yeah, me too. Like, how that worked. I mean, we know that things have gone a little bit stale with uh, Joan Allen since the death of the son, at least. But maybe since longer. Maybe. I uh... have to. (laughs) As soon as I said that, I was like, I have to look up and see if there's fan fiction. (laughs) Of course there is. Uh, There's gotta be. There's gotta be wild fan, like, gay fanfics about these two out there. I'll find it. I'll let you know. I'm sure everyone wants to know. Um, <laughs> At the very least, I want to know. We'll drop recommendations. <laughs> um, anyway, that, that, oh, here's another weird thing. Um, Nicolas Cage, his birthday fell during the shooting of this film. Okay. And his birthday is in January. He's a Capricorn, right? I don't know. I think so. <laughs> okay. Um, so John Woo let Cage get emotionally charged up for a scene and then surprised him with the birthday cake and everyone singing. And That's I'm so cute. <laughs> it's so cute. But I don't think you'll be surprised to learn that afterwards Cage was like, don't ever do that again. Because you know how seriously he takes like acting yeah. and his method? And I bet he was like really thrown and pissed off by that. Um, but then John Woo's birthday fell during the shooting, and Nicolas Cage and Nick Cassavetes got him a Dirty Harry poster signed by Clint Eastwood because 
Eastwood is Wu's hero, so, like, no hard feelings. He was just like, thanks, but don't ever mess with my acting method again. (laughs) I love that. Um, Yeah, so anyway, back to the movie. Um, The campy, campy performance that we get at the beginning. Um, So one of the things I think is funny is that they immediately make it clear that Caster Troy is, like, super vain. Yeah. And having him then switch faces with John Travolta makes it really funny when he's just like, God damn it. <laughs> I'm stuck in this guy's face. Um, I love there is, like, the moment when he's as... When he's as Sean Archer reunited with his brother, Pollock Troy. Yeah. And his brother's like, well, I'm the better looking one now. <laughs> he's like, you're right. <laughs> Um, oh my god. So, on the plane, there's the part with the the agent, the, yeah. the female agent, who is, like, hidden on the, like, she's the stewardess, right? Yeah. And so she is sort of reporting back to Sean Archer, like, he's coming to the plane, we're getting ready to take off, you gotta intercept this plane. This woman, which I don't know if she lives through this scene. Did she die? She gets thrown off the she plane. She gets shot and thrown off the plane. Yeah. I don't know if she lived through that. I don't think she did. I don't did. think she did, unfortunately, because she's very good at her job. But she did... I mean, she didn't go supposedly into the jet, but she did die in much the same way as Giselle on the Fast that's and the Furious franchise. That's a real Giselle. And if you saw the most recent movie, she comes back. So maybe she's fine. So maybe she comes back if in the Fast and the Furious. If they 3D printed that guy's ear, they could save that lady. Oh, yeah, she's fine. She's fine. And I hope she survived because she committed to her double agent role. She sucked his tongue. She sucked Caster Troy's tongue. And to that was the most disturbing scene in the whole movie. Second most disturbing scene in the whole movie for me. What's the first? The scene with the daughter uh, in oh, the bedroom. Yeah. I didn't like that. No. I didn't like that at all. But both of them have a similar tone, which is like, what does he say to her? The daughter? Or- no, no, no. On the plane, he says something about peaches. Okay, so he first says, I have the scene memorized. I hope so. Um, I knew you would. I knew you would. I was like, I'll leave that to Brittany. The first thing he says is, you know, I could eat a peach all day. Yeah. And then he says, if I were to send you flowers, hold that thought. Let me go back and rephrase. And he says, if I were to let you suck my tongue, would you... Oh, man, what is it? Would you be happy about that or something? Or would you be grateful? Would you be grateful? Yeah. Which is if so much worse. If I were to let worse. you suck my tongue, would you be grateful? And then he sticks his tongue out. And then she goes for it. She does it. And I said, that agent needs to be given whatever bonus <laughs> is coming her way for just full going for it. I didn't like that at all. <laughs> We're yeah. back to me hating that, on... That's a scene that's burned in my brain. I think it's been a while since we've had a movie where I have hated um, Nicolas Cage's sexuality. It's but been it's a back. little while. It's yeah. been a while since we've seen one that had a super cringy sex scene. Yeah, this there was, counts. There was not really any... Other than him cl- proclaiming to be 100% sex in the yeah. last one, there was no actual sex Which, like, movie. I was totally fine with that that's, scene. That's hilarious. That that's scene great was great. Scene. Um, and then... Uh, what was what? And then we've done a couple of cartoon superhero things. Yeah, that's not sexy. No, so it's been a while. <laughs> that's and, not um, sexy. That's not sexy. Um, 
Yeah, I didn't like that at all. And unfortunately, that comes back. There's a couple times where people suck on his tongue. Or, or at least he talks it. about it, yeah. Ugh. And the peach thing comes up multiple times. Yeah, with his, uh, with his like, ex-girlfriend who has his kid. Yeah. She she references both the peaches thing, I think, and, and the just sucking the tongue. Yeah, that must be his thing. And, you know, not here to kink shame, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> I am here to kink shame this, this man. Um, He's not a good person, so I think it's a No, lot. I think it's fine, and it's not, you know, it's not, it doesn't feel very um, con- uh, consenting. You know what I mean? The suck my tongue thing? Yeah. I don't know. I think that, at the very least, the agent seemed into it. Well, like I said, she's an incredible actor. She is. <laughs> she was married to her job. Um, yeah, and then later on we get, the re- oh, and like, the scenes with the daughter, the teenage daughter, they yeah. make sense because he's a creep and he's not actually her dad and everything, right? But the scenes where he is like hitting on his own daughter, but Doesn't the daughter seem like weirdly okay with it? She looks weirded out, but then also like kind of into it in yeah. the bedroom scene. Yeah. And then later with the shootout, it's obviously uncomfortable. Not, not with the shootout when he mostly she face. seems confused. Yeah. And I think that like maybe what the they're trying to say in the film is like because she starts to let she's like a goth kid. She she's, is, you know. I think she so likes sad. the freedom that he is seemingly offering her by well, like taking the like he's like I don't we don't have to tell mom about the cigarettes, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I but I also think that what it's supposed what we're supposed to get from it is that like we see at the beginning when she gets in trouble that like he does not really in her life. Yeah. He's so busy with his job and she's trying to act out to get his attention. I think she likes the fact that like Caster Troy as her her dad is paying attention to her. And I think it's been a while since she's had time with her dad. So I think that's supposed to be what we're getting from it. Like But it's a weird vibe. Ooh, it's a bad vibe. Yeah. It's a bad bad vibe. No one liked it. Um yeah, and then later on in the shootout he like lick fully licks her face and I said, No thank you. No. (laughs) Not for me. (laughs) Um yeah, so, um, okay, wait, so it's been a while since we've done one of these. Oh. Let's do a little quick, um, what is diabetes? <laughs> what is diabetes? Because one of the trivia points I found, and okay. I don't know what, what point, I'm assuming this is sometime during the face-off scene, because there's the monitors that have all of their stats on it. Um, Castor Troy's glycohemoglobin is much higher than 6.5%. Which means he's probably diabetic. Does it say what it was? It doesn't. It just says, according to his blood test... Re- oh, it must be when she does a blood test later. Oh. It says that it's higher than 6.5%. So. Yeah. To, <laughs> what a weird thing for them to throw in there. <laughs> yeah, that's his A1C. It's supposed to be, if you're not diabetic, around 6%. Yeah. Well, um, he's got a lot of other stuff going on, but apparently one of those things is diabetes. <laughs> this was a life-saving medical test. <laughs> Someone should tell him. Yeah. <laughs> After one of these I think he's dead now, but, yeah, you know. Well, um, there's also some... No, that's, uh, that's, that's something that you found, but there's no way any... Who no. noticed that? Someone who I has... I noticed that. Someone who's seen this movie so many times, right? But if they're right, then they're right, because... Mm-hmm. Over six point five percent would for sure be. I don't know. It feels what it like was. something that like the set dressers just like put a number down. Yeah. Right. Like, why would they make him diabetic on purpose? <laughs> for no reason? Yeah. <laughs> he should pass out at some point in this film. Well, you know, I've been on a lot more like. Uh, we've talked about this before. If this is your first time to the podcast, 
Um, we talked about this in the Con Air episode because there's a diabetic in Con Air. I am a type 1 diabetic. Um, but I was just recently in uh, like a subreddit that was about type 1 diabetes and somebody was talking about how there's no representation. And hey, this is our representation. There you go. You got to go back <laughs> on that Reddit and be like, actually. <laughs> actually. Didn't anyone uh, bring up Con Air? Or, Troy. Uh, or is that type 2? So it doesn't really matter. It's bad okay. either way. Right. It's um, bad representation. Yeah. It is not how it actually works. No. Uh, interesting. Um, Nicolas Cage hit some squeamish stuff about the makeup in this movie. Oh. So first of all, he was super freaked out of the dummy of himself. Yeah. I he would didn't like too. that. Yeah. I can understand that. They were also very uncanny valley. Like, you could tell it was a dummy. Like, it was a good dummy, but it didn't look like a person. I felt like the eyes were a little bit buggy. Yeah, they look like corpses. Yeah. They didn't look like people sleeping. They yeah. look like corpses. Um, and the other thing was, he didn't want to see his grotesque face makeup in the one scene where he has no face. So John Woo hid all the reflective surfaces on set. Which is hard, because there's a lot in They're this movie. They're in, like, a lab full of metal there's and There's mirrors stuff. in every scene of this every movie. Every scene. I, is there's that so a John Woo thing, or is it just because it's face-off? It might be because it's face-off. Yeah. I'll have to get back to you on that. Oh, okay. Let me know. <laughs> Do um, a research. But I just found that very funny. Mirrors in action movies is one of my favorite tropes, though. Oh, it's so good. There's, an, um, there's a really good production of Hamlet done by the Royal Shakespeare Company, that you can watch on as a movie. Mm-hmm. It's got Patrick Stewart as the king and um, David Tennant as Hamlet. Incredible production. And one of the things I love about it is that mirrors is a major theme because it's a lot of like doubles. And in yeah. fact, Patrick Stewart plays both the king and the dead king because they're twins. And what I love is that they have so many reflective surfaces in it. So like the floor is like such such like dark marble that it turns into a mirror and then there's like water like there's all this stuff they really do that's really fun with it so like when you do the mirror thing right it's really good yeah i love it in enter the dragon which is the bruce lee yeah classic there's a lot of mirrors in enter the dragon i thought they did a good job with it in uh birds of prey there was a mirror thing that was fun that was good um I don't know. There's a lot. Of, if you if you start paying attention to action movies and mirrors being in action movies, oh, man, it happens constantly, it. and I love it. They love it. It's um, like people turning a corner and it's like their own reflection. You know, <laughs> they're like, "Who am I? <laughs> wow, I'm really forced to look at myself." It's great. Um, oh, John Wick. There's a lot of mirrors in John Wick. Oh, that's true. Yeah, there's the one movie. It's just like all glass. Yeah, that one fight scene, which is great. Um, yeah. Anyways. We love a mirror. Um, so, <laughs> let me tell you a little bit about Caster Troy's son. Yes. So, he's got a son, Adam, uh, with Gina Gershon, who plays Sasha. Um, Sasha was a really interesting character. I thought so, too. I wish we'd had more time with her, because she was, like, Caster's ex- and then she uh, had a brother who was another criminal, mm-hmm. and um, she is just like her motivation in this film is to protect her son, who is Caster Troy's son. He obviously doesn't care much about him, mm-hmm. um, and she like that's her priority. But she also doesn't take any shit. And like in the one scene where there's a shootout, you can see her trying to help 
some of these, like, other women yeah. that were sort of, like, nameless women, right? But she's actually trying to get them out. Um, so I found her really interesting. And she's and the only one... it seems like she wasn't lying when she said she hadn't seen Caster Troy in years. No. She's, like, after the drug trip scene, she's sort of trying to talk sense into him. Yeah. And be like, what are you doing? I don't want to be involved. I need to keep my son. Um, so she really... The, the fact that she gets killed in this movie is a real downer. Yeah. Because she's, you know... She didn't deserve it. She didn't deserve it. She was trying to do the best she could. She seems like she's still in with a bad crowd, but you know. But also she's, you know, in love with her brother, so (laughs) she can't get out of that life. Yeah. I don't know what you do about that. (laughs) It's like, that is such a weird choice that right before her brother dies, like he's about, he got shot in the neck and she is running with 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 her son and they fully kiss each other on the mouth and not like a peck, but like French kiss. Yeah. And it is not great. <laughs> um, no, that's weird. Ooh, here's the thing I found that I didn't love. Uh, the narrative behind Caster Troy being Adam's father. Um, this is, I guess, John Woo maybe said this at some point. Caster Troy had a threesome with Sasha and Dietrich, the brother and sister. Um, and that's when Adam was conceived. John Blue seems really into making unusual romantic pairings. That seems like his thing. Well, it's weird. I think that, like, this is a thing I've run into before as, like, a playwright, is that people always want it to be romantic. They always want connections to be romantic because they're like, then it has more weight. It has more complication. And I'm like, well, sometimes, like, a brother-sister relationship is enough it or just friend relationship right like we don't need the brother and sister to be in love we don't need this like fbi agent and criminal to be exes like necessarily um but john was like you know what <laughs> to be fair it's not something i've seen a lot of no we should have more <laughs> queer action movies where yeah. they're like oh what was it oh you gosh. know what the other greatest will they won't they uh movie Fast and Furious. I was just gonna say <laughs> after the first movie Paul especially, Walker and Vin Diesel are definitely more of a after, couple than them and Michelle Rodriguez and uh after the first movie I think it sort of drops off a little bit because the they get first more, one though but the first one there's so much sexual tension yes. between them and I would that's a lot of, of deep eye contact and, yeah there's a yeah there's a lot of they in like the fact he gets so mad when he's betrayed. I'm yeah. like, that's because you had a crush on him. Yeah, that's where that betrayal <laughs> came from. Um, so you know, we could have had more of that. I guess we someone out there listening right now, go write an action movie where the antagonist and the protagonists are exes. I want to see it. Yeah, let's do it. Preferably gay. Preferably gay, queer. We'll take any, anything, but, you know, we don't need another straight couple. No, I feel like that I have seen. We have seen that. We have seen the, like, uh, usually, like, bad guy and good girl, but, you know. I'm trying to, I feel like I've seen a movie like that with, like, Jennifer Aniston or something. But I don't know. Probably. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, so I would love to see that one. Um, there's also this weird thing during that scene, the shootout scene. Adam is listening to Over the Rainbow. Oh, yeah. And the studio, Paramount Pictures, refused to finance the uh, to get the copyright for that song. And John Woo paid for it. Really? Because he really wanted that song for that scene, which I'm like, 
I don't know. I think it you could use that important. No, like I think any sort of like cheerful song would have worked well in that scene. Um, it would be funny with like a kids song of some kind yeah. or something like that. But he really wanted over the rainbow. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I think. Okay, so what do you think about? It's just like Fast Eight when uh, Jason Statham puts the uh, headphones on the baby, and uh, I haven't seen Fast Eight. Well, <laughs> Fast Eight has Jason Statham puts the headphones on Vin Diesel's son, God. and there's a gunfight. It's a much smaller baby than uh, the the kid in Fat Face Off, but yeah. I'm just there's a lot of parallels. Yeah, I mean, as someone who has babysat uh, a wee babe, sometimes you do just put those big old headphones on him. Like, happy, happy. Yep, and you let him listen to what, you know, Moana or whatever, um, while everyone has a serious conversation. (laughs) So just to a lesser extent, I have been there. (laughs) Um, So, okay, let's talk a little bit about Eve. Yeah. Sean Archer's wife. Joan Allen. Yeah. The great Joan Allen. Um, How'd you feel about her character? They're sort of, not estranged, but there's tension. She's not as good as Gina Gershon. No, she's very, you know, um, I don't know, waspy wife. Yeah. Sort of suburban. But I do, I mean, I like Joan Allen. I think she's, she's... I appreciate that she's a doctor. I think they only did that so they could do the blood test thing later. I think so. Because otherwise I feel like she would have just been like a stay-at-home mom or something. There's also like, they make it really confusing that she's a doctor. I didn't know until the blood test happened. They have the part earlier in the movie where, um... Uh, Caster Troy as Sean Archer comes home and she's like on her way out the door on her way to the hospital. Yeah. And he's like, where are you going? And she's like, the hospital. And she, he's like, no, no, don't go. And she's like, you know I've still been hurting, you know, something like that. And it makes it confusing that she's she's going to work. Yes. But the 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 lines are confusing. Yeah, because I fully didn't realize she was a doctor yeah. until he was like, so when... um. Oh, boy. Uh, Sean Archer, Nicolas Cage, as Caster Troy. No, as Sean Archer. Mm-hmm. Um, breaks into the house and is like, I'm your husband. And does the sort of, like... He only does, like, one memory, really, of, like, right before I left. This is what we fought about. I'm like, you could have gone harder on some of well, these. Well, he does later. Okay, later, but, like, in that he does scene... The, he does the memory of, like, the last time I saw you, we fought because yeah, that's I had the one. one more thing. And then later, he does do the memory of, like, the date when she breaks her tooth oh, on yeah. the rye seed. That's but that's, right. like, that's a different visit, I think. That's a different visit. That's after she already believed him. Yeah. But, so he gives us one memory, and she obviously doesn't believe him, and then he says, our blood types are different. Which... Now that I think about it, I gotta think your body would reject the face if you had different blood types. Don't you need to have the same blood type for organ transplants? Almost certainly, yeah. Hmm. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) At the time, I didn't know she was a doctor, so I was like, why is he doing the blood type thing? But then, of course, she actually tests the blood and is like, my God. Um, This might have been the time period, too, where you had to get a blood test before you could get married. What? I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't know that? That's was that might still be a thing but i don't think it is but it's because uh you need to um if you have kids and you, there are certain blood types that the mother's womb will reject a baby if it's the right what if it's like the opposite blood type i didn't know that yeah i didn't know that until just but like now. there's ways of mitigating it if that is the case so they don't i don't think require it anymore huh weird 
Um, okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, but before this, um, she is definitely into Caster Troy. Oh yeah, for sure. Caster Troy as her husband. At least at first, I think Caster Troy is like the better version. Yeah, of... for a while he is, but he obviously and then he like, starts gets to get bored. tired of it. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't. He gets bored at first. It's just sort of like I think fun for him to like fuck with Sean Archer's. Yeah. To be like, I'm better at being Sean Archer. I also feel like the stakes get higher when Sean Archer's out of the prison, too. Yeah. Um, because, like, I feel like things really take the twist after his brother gets killed. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He sort of... At first, it's sort of like, I think he is thinking, like, I'm just gonna be Sean Archer and fuck with yeah. people and but then enjoy he doesn't his like life. all of the rules. He doesn't like all the rules, and then once his brother dies, he's like, no, I am... Don't totally care done. if I yeah. die or, you know, get, become a criminal again, whatever. Um, and at that point, he stops playing nice with the family. Yeah. But at first, he's sick. Cause, well, because he's like, he wants to sleep with Joan Allen. And yeah. And so he, you Why know, not? hitting on her. I think he uses a peaches line on her. He does. He says, I hate to see you leave, but I love to see you walk away. Yeah. Which I said, Jesus Christ. Classic. <laughs> Classic line. Um. Yeah, so at first he's sort of a better, and then he gets bored with it. What do you think about the prison? Oh, man. The prison is crazy. Erewhon. Erewhon, which you said is nowhere rearranged. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, The boots. The boots. I think originally the script, most of the script took place in the prison. Oh, originally when it was set in the future. Yeah, I think most of it was going to be was set the in most the prison. Rem- reminiscent of like some kind of futuristic thing. Yeah, because they had these like crazy the... magnetic boots. Yeah, so that they could like freeze them whenever they got unruly or whatever. But we didn't actually spend that much time in the prison. No, it's pretty quick. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we get a couple of fun fight scenes. Um, more character actors. More characters. John Carroll Lynch. Yep. Thomas Jane, unrecognizable. <laughs> that one guy from True Blood. And The Wire. <laughs> and The Wire. Um, yeah, I, I kind of wish we did have more time in the prison. Because it was weird, but they wanted to get him out of there. Yeah. Get us back on um, the funeral on the beach. Gotta get him back where, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's really where he belongs. <laughs> Uh, that's where I want it. I want my funeral to be on a beach. Like a wedding. (laughs) Hundreds of doves. (laughs) Like a destination wedding. I want the piece of trivia that is how many doves they needed for this movie. But the funniest part is in that scene, it's mostly pigeons. Oh. I noticed there's some doves, but there's a lot of pigeons and a couple seagulls. Well, there's for sure seagulls because they're at the beach. They're at the beach. So first we see seagulls. Yeah. And then we go in the church and suddenly there's doves. And I was like, why is there so many doves inside the church? Because it's a John Woo movie, obviously. Um, and that's sort of the showdown is the the beachside chapel. And then we get the boat race. And we get a boat race. I didn't remember a boat race. That was a wild surprise. Boat race is also a great little piece that you can have in a movie. Yeah, we love a boat race. Or boat boat chase. Yeah. Yeah, I guess boat chase, boat fight. It's hard to chase. Boat chase. (laughs) (laughs) 
We'll get there. Oh, no. <laughs> I did love, so obviously in this sort of like showdown at the end, there's a lot of them sort of trying to convince various people who they are. And um, poor Gina Gershon sacrifices herself to save what turns out to be Sean Archer. She didn't know that. Makes him promise to take care of their boy and make sure he doesn't turn out like them. Which we'll get to. Um, but then we also have this scene where, like, the daughter, the teenage daughter shows up and obviously thinks, doesn't believe her dad when he's like, I'm your dad, because he looks like Caster Troy. So instead, she believes, ah, this is so confusing, <laughs> Caster Troy. Yeah. And she believes John Travolta. Yeah. And John Travolta then grabs her. And what I liked was they brought back the knife. Yeah. That so was earlier fun. in the movie, Danny Masterson. Danny Masterson. <laughs> they pull up in the, I her and it. her like boyfriend, as played by Danny Masterson, pull up into the driveway while he's home, and Danny Masterson's character tries to assault her, and you know, not really a lot of acting going on in that <laughs> scene. Unfortunately, no, unfortunately. Um, and. Uh, John Travolta goes out and stops it and beats the crap Blesses out of the window in and beats kicks the, the window in. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Which was great. Kicks his butt. Yeah, and then uh, comes gives her in. like a butterfly knife. Yeah, and it's like you got to defend yourself. So if if he tries to do that again, you take this, let him take his pants off, put this in his thigh, and twist the knife, and it, they won't be able to stop the bleeding. That's yeah. what he tells her. And then she does that to him. She does it to him, though it doesn't seem to bother him much in the next... No, he's walking around. He's walking he's around. Fine. He's fine. Even though I was like, that might have nicked an artery. Yeah. That was... He gets stabbed... Like, There's a stabbed lot of stuff in twice in his thighs. Yeah. In this, like, ensuing chase, and he's sort of fine. And I'm like, there's some artery in there. <laughs> I have to think that, like, slice and open a big muscle like that... You That's, would not be walking around. You can't walk if you, you know, hit yeah. the muscle or tendon or something. And that's all the thighs are is muscle. They're just muscle and a big old bone. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. And then they have this big fight out and he kills Caster Troy. Oh, but when he's like, he's got Chekhov's harpoon, which they've been showing us for a yeah. long time. And he shoots it at him. And Caster Troy, like, catches, catches it and won't let the harpoon go into him. And with the other hand, is just carving up his face. His face. It's like, you're not getting this face back. <laughs> and I said, wow. <laughs> but then he he loses his grip and gets harpooned. But somehow they save his face. It's fine. I feel like the tissue would go necrotic pretty quick, but I don't know. Well, people, like, die in car accidents and they harvest organs, right? <sighs> That's true. That's true, I guess. I know most... you have to do it pretty fast, but... Yeah. The people are right there, like, immediately. True. So, and, oh, there was a nice moment where his team, who... Every time he's encountered his team during the movie, they think he's Caster Troy. And oh, yeah. So there's a nice moment where his, like, where one of his team... Buzz, a.k.a. Mike from Desperate Housewives, <laughs> Mike comes from over. Desperate Housewives comes over and, like, is helping him up and calls like, him Sean. And his like, face what? is just like, ah... So that was nice. It is me. I am Sean. You're right. <sighs> um, and then he gets his face, you know, back Slapped. and comes home. <laughs> this is when. So first of all. Doesn't tell them, first of all. <laughs> doesn't tell them at all that this is happening. He's like. They don't take him home from the hospital. They're waiting at home and he just drives up. And I said, yeah. I think you would probably take him home from the hospital. But anyway, walks up. Everyone's slow motion. They're happy. They're hugging. 
daughter's no longer goth because obviously says can we keep him with caster troy's caster troy's son comes walking which like the son does look exactly like his yeah son and he's just like can we keep him and they're like great and i'm like let me show you your room you killed his parents they still have the room set up from their kid that got killed like six years ago it's so weird for them to just be like you're our that kid you're gonna fill the hole we're just gonna call you michael for sure. They don't call him Adam. Yeah, she, like, the daughter immediately, like, ushers him in to show him his room. And I'm like, you can't just put this kid in your dead son's unchanged bedroom. That's so weird. What's wrong with that? Uh. <laughs> it's healthy to adopt a kid to fill a hole for another kid. Yeah. Right? I also feel like <laughs> they wouldn't let this guy just, like, take home his arch nemesis's kid. Oh, my God. I was like, What? No paperwork was done, surely, because somebody would have to be like, hold on, you can't have that kid. That kid needs to go through the foster, like, we need a social worker, we need a blah, yeah, blah, find out if there's other living relatives. Yeah, like- which also, okay, so when, this to backtrack, during the initial face-off surgery, when Sean Archer wakes up and sees himself as Caster Troy and freaks out and is like, I'm Sean Archer! I'm Sean Archer! And he's freaking out in front of a mirror, and I said... All these doctors and not one psychologist is here. Not one psychiatrist is on staff to be like, this is going to be crazy when you see yourself because you hate this man. Uh, (laughs) No one to prepare him. They're just like, oh, yeah, here's a big old mirror. Wake up. (laughs) Look at yourself. Look at yourself. See anything different? Um, So, yeah, everyone's super mentally healthy in this. Uh, A plus. No notes. Um... There is an alternate ending. Yeah. Which we found. And we'd heard about it. And we found it on YouTube um, with some Russian. We found a different version that was somebody videoing their TV. Yeah, we found a couple versions. Um, and this is. So in this version, uh, Sean Archer goes in to the bathroom. His wife is hanging out in the bedroom, getting ready for bed or waking up. I don't know. And he looks in the mirror and sees. Nicholas Cage. And obviously, I was like, okay, PTSD. And also, there's a line where Caster Troy is like, when you look in the mirror, you will always see me. And I said, okay, that makes sure. sense. But then, Joan, Joan Allen, Allen reacts. She sees his reflection as Nicholas Cage and like freaks out. And then he goes back to being John Travolta. So I said, wait, she saw that. So is that his ghost? <laughs> like, what was that? And then he hugs her to comfort her and gives a weird smile, suggesting that he is Caster Troy. And I said, I understand why they cut this. It's very confusing. Which I'd read that they cut it because audiences just wanted a happy ending. But I said, maybe they had to cut it because audiences were like, what is this, this supposed to sense. mean? Yeah. What are we doing here? Um, yeah, so that's the, the alternate ending that you could have seen. But instead, we get a happy ending. Where he just, like, has his boy. Where he has just kidnapped a child. Um, And it's totally fine. Yeah. All right, so what do you rate this movie? Oh, my God. This movie is an A. Yeah, it has to be. 5%, 100%. Yeah. Um, I do know that this is well-received. Obviously, audiences like it, but surprisingly, critics loved it. Yeah. Which I was a little surprised by. Yeah. I mean, it's a weird movie. 
It's weird, and it's it actually often has, goofy. It actually has a higher critic score than audience score. Both are fresh. Wild. The critic score is 92%, and the audience score is 82%. Huh, I can't believe the audience score is that low. I know, it's crazy. And, uh, yeah, it's the highest rated audience, or I'm sorry, critic score of the trilogy. Huh, well, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I think that the John Woo directing elevates it a little bit. Yeah. So I can understand that. The Rock has a slightly higher audience score. That's surprising to me. I guess because, hmm. I mean, I guess some people watch it and are like, this is dumb, right? But I would also think that of The Rock, so. Yeah. Maybe it's just too weird for some people. I remember before we started this podcast, you and I watched The Rock and Con Air in one sitting. Yes. And I remember ending that night feeling very strongly that Con Air was better than The Me Rock. Me too. Um, the and Rock that one has, across the board, the lowest scores. Yeah, that makes sense. It is probably the weirdest of the three. <laughs> I don't know. Face Off is weird, man. <laughs> but there's so many weird characters in Con Air. Like, Nicolas Cage is not the weirdest character. Oh, you're saying Con Air's the weirdest? Yeah. Con okay, Air's I thought you weirdest. said The Rock No, The, the Rock is the least weird. It's I was gonna Michael say, Bay. It it's like straightforward, kind of, sort yeah. of. Like, the science in it is stupid. Yeah. Um, But it's sort of a action, Michael Bay action movie. Yeah, um, I, I think Con Air, Con Air has the lowest ratings of the of the three. Um, and I was just saying Con Air is probably the weirdest of the three. Yeah. Um, not because, I don't know. Technically, Con Air is probably more plausible. <laughs> Honest, out of the three of them, Con Air is probably the most plausible. Yeah, right? Which is wild to say. <laughs> it's wild to say that Con Air is most likely to happen. But when you compare it to a movie that uses face-off technology <laughs> and a movie where they have those weird grape, like, co- gas thing. Oh, I don't even know what they are. They're the like Mountain Dew canisters that are explosive. And Sean Connery is some sort of cat burglar who was, who was at Alcatraz. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, Con Air is the most likely. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh man but I think Con Air is the craziest because you've got John Malkovich John Malkovich-ing you're right because I'm tempted to say you've got Steve Buscemi doing whatever Steve Buscemi is doing (laughs) yeah Um, you've got you know even like the FBI agents in that are weird yeah John Cusack John John Cusack and and Cole Meany is that his name? yeah yeah Cole Meany Um, they're being wild yeah I think because, it, I mean, if you're looking at a premise, face-off is the weirdest. If you're just looking at the, like, two-sentence premise mm-hmm. of the film, face-off has the weirdest premise. Yeah. But because it is like John Woo skims over a lot of the weird science stuff and it's just grounding it in, like, it's the just... psychological <laughs> stuff, then it's like, it feels more grounded. It's Freaky Friday for boys. <laughs> <laughs> Freaky Friday, but make a crime. (laughs) Freaky Friday for boys should be the tagline of this movie. (laughs) Oh, we asked this before. If you could face off with anyone, 
if you could do a face-off with anyone, mm-hmm. who would you do it to? Who would you want to face-off with? Oh, who would I want to face-off with? So, <laughs> is this person going to have my face? Yeah, that is, that is, you have to trade faces. Or are they, like, hypothetically in a coma? No, no, you've got to do the full face-off where they're running around with your face. They're going to be me. Yeah. And I'm going to be the... Yeah. Yep. Um, who do I want to face off with? And it's just my face. It's just your face. It's not your body. They can take care of these love handles, though. <laughs> yeah. And while you're, while you're in there, if you want to give me a breast reduction, I wouldn't Ooh, say no. <laughs> uh, yeah, because they got to make my body match the body the yeah. same way as they made the bodies match in face off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Willow DeVoe. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what how about um, whose life do I kind of want to like live mm. whose life do I want to pretend to live for a day because I have to know enough about them to like pass right yes yeah um, and yeah Nicholas Cage <laughs> <laughs> it's hard because you asked me if I would do a face off and I said no I would do a body switch yeah. For, like, a day or two with someone. But I don't think I would just do a face-off. I want to face-off with Nicolas Cage more so that I can hear later about what that was like for people that I know. That's an excellent answer. And you're just, like, you know, three days you switch. You come back and you're like, like hey, guys. So and they're like, on? how are you doing today? How, what... Where are we at on the Britney scale? <laughs> While going to work and everyone's yeah. just like, uh, Britney, can you come in the office? We need to talk about your performance. <laughs> You're fired. Um, you can't talk to donors that way. <laughs> you you can't punch anti-choice people in the face. <laughs> but why? But why not? Uh, yeah, I think I would do a body switch, mostly thinking of, like, when we were talking, uh, weeks ago about, I just want to switch with someone who's, like, actually, just, like, healthy. Oh, yeah. So I can feel what it's like. Yeah. (laughs) Just to be like, oh, okay, this is what's supposed to happen. (laughs) I think that would be fun for a couple days. Yeah, that would be nice. But then I would be, then I would always But we don't have the technology. Yeah. No, we only have face-off technology. We only have face-off technology. <laughs> I'm, I'm reaching for this guy. I mean, you already face-offed with me, so... That's true. We did have a little face-off moment. Hopefully you guys saw it <laughs> on the social meds. <laughs> we worked really hard on that bit. <laughs> um, if you haven't seen it, check out the social meds. Check out our Instagram to see us switch faces. <laughs> Um, anyways. Yeah. Great movie. Face off. You know what time it is? What time is it? Inside the cage. 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 (laughs) That was good. Yeah. It's a good reference. A little tie. Yeah. Yeah, We did it. That was good. A little handle uh, reference. Um, okay. So this week. I have found an article in The Mary Sue. Okay. The article is called Directing Nick Cage at His Most Chaotic? Yes. Harder Than You'd Think. 
Tell me more. So this person, um, the writer who is Rachel Leishman, um, interviewed the director of Sympathy for the Devil, which we covered last week. Yeah. Um, you should check out that episode if you haven't. Check out that movie. Um, and check out that movie. So they talked to uh, the director of that, Yuval Adler, about working with Nicolas Cage to create his character and everything and make it work for the movie. And I thought the quote from the director in this article is very much on par from what for what we know about Nicolas Cage. But he said, I never worked with somebody who's so fanatic in the best places. <laughs> like, five, six weeks before the shoot, he's 100% on the film. You feel like he does all, all he does at home in the late hours is sit on the script. I'm doing prep and I get 10,000 texts. <laughs> what about this line? Can I say this? What about this? Why? Can we change it? Look at this video of Truman Capote interviews with Tennessee Williams. What do you think about their accents? Look at his jacket. That all the time. And brilliant, right? He comes up with a lot of ideas. I love that he sort of, I feel like he was talking and, and heard himself and was like, and that's great. We love that. We, we, I loved that. I loved getting 10,000 texts. As someone who has done some directing before, if I had an actor who was doing that to me, I would hate it. <laughs> I would be like, hey, bud, why don't you save it for rehearsal? Well, there's another thing. Um, so Cage would bring all that prep work to the set before even starting the film, and then the, uh, Yuval Adler said... His thing is he comes up with so much stuff and then that's your job to be... And then he told me that on the set, he would be like, look, I have to trust you to protect me. That's how I can go wild. So in the editing, you can protect me. If not, everything I do, it's going to be there. So we got into this groove. So <laughs> I feel like there is a lot of trust there to just like, I'm going to do all of this stuff. Try not to make me look too crazy. <laughs> if you could make it seem... Good. Good. <laughs> he wants that balance of a director that's going to let him bring his own stuff to it, but he also needs someone who's going to give him direction. Yeah. I think we've seen movies where they he doesn't, he's not reined in, and it yeah. just, like, doesn't work. It's yeah. too much. It doesn't fit. And I imagine, you know, John Woo is one of those guys. He did gel with Nicolas Cage's style. Yeah, I wonder why we haven't had more John Woo Nicholas Cage collaborations. Well, there's been uh Wind Talkers, which oh. I didn't realize was a John Woo movie. But apparently there's that one and then they were gonna do another one in the early two thousands that never came to be. Um, but I do wish that John Woo had done more stuff with Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Should we do that one next? Hey, why not? Let's do it. Let's do Wind Talkers next. All right, we're doing Wind Talkers next. All right, guys, this is gonna be a very different. I know, very different. War, sort of, right? Like, it's very. It's a historical sort of straight movie, as opposed to what we have been doing. So, let's I'm excited. Go. Yeah, yeah. Well, you hear to hear, folks. Tune in next time to hear us talk about Wind Talkers. And thanks for joining us. Stay cagey. Bye. Bye. Bye.